thank you so much for joining us, Roshamba, uh, our journey of voices on this piece of this series, on this part of your journey. Um, I know it's been a lot of conversations, a lot of history, you know, over the time, but um, I'm really grateful for you joining us and, you know, shedding some of your time and energy and, and the insights that you have. You know, I'm really excited and I want to dig into, you know, what that's like, but maybe before, before we jump into all of that, you know, could you tell us a little bit about yourself? You know, who is Roshamba and, and, you know, where are you right now? Yeah, so I'm currently sitting in Brooklyn, New York. Um, who is Roshamba is a loaded question, and it's also something that changes every day. But at the very base, um, I'm originally from Jamaica. I immigrated to New York when I was 11 years old. So I spent sort of half and half of my life in each place. Um, I'm also um, uh, Black. I identify as Black, queer, woman, um, and a, a whole other string of identities that inform my experience. And there is no better way, you know, I think, you know, to, to you know, hear some of those many hats that you, that you wear, because I think all of those, just even in, in our time, collaborating, having conversations, being in classes, um, and I suppose around campus. <laughs> but, you know, all of those things inform, they inform, you know, how you bring yourself into the space. Um, and I feel like that was something I was always appreciative of and, and still am in terms of, you know, you've always been authentic. You know, you've always been, um, at, least, at least as I would see it, you know, grounded in, you know, yourself you know, and, and being, you know, celebrating yourself, like holding your own and, and having boundaries. And that's something that is so important. Um, you know, I think before, well, as we're getting into it, that's one of the questions almost, you know, I'd like to dive in and, and see, you know, as you said, you ran JA up until being 11 and then, you know, had to transition. Um, so what was that like? You know, I guess maybe the upbringing and, and how did, whether it was friends or family or even just the local culture, how did some of those things impact uh, and, and shape who you are today? Yeah, that's a great question um, and definitely super relevant. I continue to carry um, that experience into how I make decisions and how I engage with the world. Um, I think growing up in Jamaica was a really um, a quick uh, maturing process because, you know, growing up in, in the developing world, you don't have sort of the things that I now take for granted living, living here um, and was very aware of the challenges of limited resources. Um, my, my dad, for example, spent um, several years from when I was about three years old until when he moved to the US um, working abroad because working in Jamaica was um, not as, uh, not as um, kind of valuable in supporting our family. There weren't as many opportunities. Um, and that sort of bond is something that 
he is constantly kind of, you know, trying to figure out how does that affect our relationship, how he feels about that. Um, and so grew up with like very much working parents, um, saw some difficulties around people getting access to education, people getting access to um, healthcare and all that stuff that, that you can imagine. And I think even at the age of like five, I guess when I, when I can first start to remember stuff, I was super cognizant of like having and not having um, and why it was so important for um, my parents to stress education to me and why it was so important for them to work so hard. Um, and that's something that I still carry. It's just like hard work and um, how you sort of afford yourself the the things that you want in life, whether it means, you know, moving to another country or, um, you know, working a certain job that pays but may not make you as happy as another job might. Something I'm constantly kind of, of navigating through. Um, and I think the other element that I that I took from my experience growing up in two places was just a cultural awareness. Um, I struggled, I would say, or I look at it now as a struggle because when I moved to the U.S., I was so keen on like, how do I speak like how these kids speak so that they don't ask me to say words all the time and like, don't like mimic my accent and things like that, not wanting to feel like I wasn't one of, you know, one of everybody else. So um, I sort of assimilated quickly and then as I became more conscious, probably around the time when um, we were hanging out in high school, um, starting to think about how I've, in doing, in, a, in assimilating, I've lost some of the richness of my culture and of my identity, um, and then wanting to sort of backtrack in certain ways that aren't feasible once you've, um, you know, been through your formative years. So, um, I'm I'm aware of otherness, and it's something that I try to um, to eliminate from other people's experiences with me. I'm very sort of culturally aware and very interested in like understanding with nuance other people's experiences, so that um, they don't feel the need to act like someone they're not um, in the way that I felt at the time. Ah, touching on, I mean, you know, you, you touched on every, I think every aspect, right, of somebody's development, right? Like that, that sense of, I mean, even, you know, the assimilation side of things, as you said, like that touches on like us humans as social creatures, as beings, like we interact and are influenced and are impacted by those around us. And you know, tying into you know, the other thing that you said, that notion of like having to navigate spaces and, and have hard work and sacrifice and, and doing these things for what your passion or what your vision statement is, like then the other side of that, like those are, you know, almost the two competing themes, right? Is like, you know, how do you mobilize the people in this space to get to where you want? And then like, how do you fit with those people or, or differ from those people? And, and how does it like help or slow you down? And, that, that's something that has 
youth and, and young professionals, but especially as people that are of African descent, like it's a daily challenge. Uh, and, and I think the reality is, you know, and I, and I do have a couple questions, you know, aimed at that specifically, um, you know, for, for it, but like, you have to grapple with the, these things early. And as you said, you know, in, in JA, you know, the different compounding factors, you know, the social, the economic, um, the cultural realities put you in a different headspace earlier on. And I think, you know, in the longer term, you know, that plays, you know, well for your ability to have, uh, uh, to be able to navigate spaces, to be able to have and act on emotional intelligence, to be able to, you know, start to internalize those kind of cues or triggers and, and act on it. And I guess the challenge is getting to that space where it goes from being just feedback to something you can action. And, you know, as you're talking about navigating these spaces and as you were mentioning kind of that jump from younger years into high school and that's like the next layer of kind of the formative space, um, you know, okay, now, now there's that popularity. Now there's that everybody's kind of coming into how are they different, you know, and, and how come that person got a little bit of a smoother vibe because of that difference and how come other people <laughs> can't pull it off and have to dress the same or whatever. Um, as, as that, I guess, takes it to you um, in terms of some of your setbacks and also some of your passions as you navigate those spaces, where you are now, the person you are today, um, just digging into, yeah, what were some of these setbacks that propelled you, you know, out of your comfort zone, challenged you to, to shift and grow? Yeah. And so that doesn't have to be super early in, in the formative years, but it could be, um, but just really anywhere along the journey uh, leading you to now. Yeah. Um, oh, my gosh. <laughs> well, it's like as I'm talking, I'm like making connections in my mind and realizations that I hadn't even articulated to myself. So this is a, a spiritual process at the same time. <laughs> um, I'm getting to know myself. Um, I can think of several things. Um, setbacks. Okay, so let's go back to high school for a second, because that was a tumultuous time, right? Not only was I transitioning to being natural which is a whole journey in and of itself <laughs> and like struggling to um you know feel beautiful while you're like navigating like you know where do I fit socially as you brought up and like what does that mean and like why don't certain people find me attractive not going to talk about going natural um but I do think that social aspect was um sort of an awakening at that point and I don't think I really awakened until like after high school but I think that experience of I have all these labels um at the time there were fewer because I didn't even like come out until the later part of high school as queer and had different names that I called it at the time and whatnot um, but even as someone who um, identified as Black, identified as woman I, or girl at the time, um, and identified as like coming from a low-income background, 
I was already so like hyper aware of um, how different I was from a lot of my peers um, at that institution. And I think that was a challenge for me um, socially and something that fortunately, like I had a lot of support from um, other young black women um, on campus in kind of trying to navigate like, what do we do with this? How do we support each other? And how do we um, sort of affirm each other? Um, and then to add to that, I think socially, I was like always this kind of like um, wise old owl kind of personality, right? Like I was never interested in small talk. I didn't really love, um, you know, certain ways of interacting with people. I was so much more interested in like going deep and like having you tell me your story. Like, um, <laughs> feel free to cut this part out if you want. But like, I remember so much valuing um, the the sessions where we'd be like, in the hair emporium like braiding your hair and like having conversations about like real shit um because otherwise like the the sort of tagline for andreas on campus was like the football star and like this guy who lived in seoul and like the heartthrob of the campus and whatever i'm sure you knew that <laughs> um <laughs> i don't know any of this <laughs> But like, I feel like we get whittled down to such small, like, like doses, these like pills that people can take and like, all right, it's cool. I know you, I got you, I understand you. And that was never enough for me. And so I think that was also a challenge for a lot of my peers of like, I don't want to talk about that. Like, why are you trying to get emotional? Like, why, you know, like, why don't you have fun in the ways that we have fun? Um, and that continues to be something. It, it's always striking to me when people say, like, you know, you're so authentic, this, that, and the other thing. It's like a constant daily reminder that, like, your way of going about life, your way of expressing yourself is valuable um and people like it may take a while for them to warm up to that but they do find value in that and so to continue to sort of encourage myself to you know be as curious as as I'm inclined to be and and to engage in the ways that I do the other thing I thought about was actually that sort of deep hard work philosophy that I mentioned earlier. And there is sort of this immigrant mentality, at least among people who um, have immigrated to the States who I've talked to, who are like, I have a responsibility as the child of immigrants or as a young immigrant myself to like build on what has already been done. If I don't get the amazing education if I don't get the like high paying job then I'm somehow regressing in history and like I'm a disgrace to my family and that compounded with knowing where I came from and being like I don't want to go back to that lifestyle like I don't want to you know struggle in some of the ways that I've seen 
um, my parents struggle to do um, to do life and to to bring us up um, early on kind of sent me into this um, this really rigid perspective of what I needed to do with my life and add to that like getting the opportunity to um, go to boarding school on a full scholarship and um, going to an Ivy League university it's just like when you do that in life there is like an expected playbook that you're then supposed to live by um, there are certain milestones that you're supposed to reach in a certain amount of time. And I think around like senior year in high school, um, while I was starting to think about, you know, what does excelling in college look like? What does excelling professionally look like? And how do I start to set those foundations? I quickly realized that like, I didn't want to be in banking. I didn't want to be a lawyer. Um, and for some time, I tried to like fit myself into those positions in order to like reap the financial success that I was expecting, but didn't feel the kind of heart connection that um, that would make that sustainable, that would keep me kind of invested and committed for a long period of time. So that's also been a journey. I don't know if I've solved that one yet um but I'm constantly in this place professionally of like I don't I'm trying to find the thing that gives to me as much as it gives to the world as it, as much as it you know contributes to my bank account it contributes to my soul account it contributes to the people I care about um and and makes a positive impact and it's hard to do that when you kind of have the assumption that like, no, I need to like reach this bar. I need to do this thing. I need to pay back the efforts um, of the people who come before me. There's a whole lot of layers, um, you know, in, in that the reality of finding that balance between, as you said, the, the heart-based element, you know, maybe the head base, um, but then the other side, as you said, like the filling up the, the physical and the soul account, the soul banks. I like it. I like it because yes, you know, and, and especially in this time, that is a that is a consistent tension. I think for for us of young professionals, for us as people of African descent, um, if you you know if you wear the hat of you know an immigrant or you know, some kind of a recent descendant of somebody who has immigrated, there are those added tensions and kind of layers of stress, you know, that like are, are in that of like, listen, like this is where we're at. So you have to, you know, go up and have to be committed to enduring that, you know, and as you're talking about the setback, I think that's the other reason of asking kind of the, the setback and the passions kind of like a, as a one-two combo, because I think a lot of the times what we go through or what we grow through, those challenges become, you know, the silver lining of what we're passionate about. Um, and so as you've talked about, you know, the 
design side of spaces and other things, you know, whether it's work environments, your home life, your head space. Um, but in these passions, I guess, you know, my, my question is two parts. What are some things that you're passionate about? Um, whether it's, yeah, I guess, in the self-care side of things, as well as maybe um, things that you're passionate about, you know, in the broader scape and, and maybe that you might be working towards to, to build out uh, in, in a business sense. But yeah, the, the broad question to zoom out is, what are, what are some of your passions? <laughs> and how have they helped? And how have they helped you, I suppose? That's a fun one. Um, and I don't know that I've defined passion quite in the same way as it was defined to me when I was growing up. Um, lately, I've been looking for something that has that balance that you kind of started to describe of um, being something that I'm good at, something that I love, something that um, the world needs, and something uh, that pays me. And there are different names that different cultures call that thing. I've been learning from um, a few teachers around like how to define that and how to then like find that for oneself. Um, but yeah, I think that's what I'm that's what I'm thinking about now. Um, and I don't know that I've figured out all the four. Um, quadrants of the equation yet, but I know that um, every time I every time I do like a visualization meditation where you're supposed to like go back and like meet your younger self and talk to them and whatnot, my younger self is always telling me that um, she loves creating things. She loves working with her hands, she loves color, she loves texture, she loves like the like eye candy of things. Um, and so that's something that I've been spending more time with and trying to grow in. Right now I'm tackling it through graphic design and learning that. Um, I'm, in, I'm working full time and going to school part time to become a graphic designer. Um, and then I know that there's also like a genuine interest in interior design um, because it's something that I've just been kind of like drawn to whenever the opportunity comes about. Um, so some, some mix of like design, um, perhaps, you know, like more artistic things like illustration, um, I'm curious about these days. And so that's the part that um, that I love that just kind of like excites me. Um, I have a few ideas on how that can help people and how I hope to use that in a purposeful way to help people. Um, I won't share those right now because they say when you're when you're building a dream, you don't talk about it, you just do it. So I'm gonna let that stay with me, but. Um, it, it all sort of has to do with, 
um, some of the ways that I think people have over-essentialized life um, and have gone down to the bare bones, especially as um, people who I grew up around, low-income people, like nobody's thinking about interior design, right? Um, but is there perhaps some value in that that we've overlooked and that um, that we could benefit from given the um, physical and emotional stressors that we're constantly going through? Is there some value there for us? Um, so yeah, trying to turn that into a purpose, but I think that's, that's within the realm of where the passion lies right um, now. And as you're speaking about I think your journey, right? Your journey of the passions and, and of kind of exploring that. I think, well, I know, I know as you broke it out into those, you know, those four buckets, you know, the things that you're good at, the things you love, um, the things the world needs and the things that pay you. Um, that is clear, that's concise. And I think it's important because as we go through these challenges, um, and I'm not going to remember the specific quote, um, because I think it, but it applies, you know, situation to a lot of things. When when you're in a situation where there's suffering or there's sacrifice or there's kind of pain, having something that, you know, justifies what it is makes it so much easier. If you have something you're working towards, a North Star or, you know, getting out of the tunnel, you know, all of the work that, that, that you know, is a part of getting out of the tunnel or is a part of getting you to this, this goal. Um, switches the lens and switches the, the the mindset that you have towards how much energy you can put in, how much time you can put in, how how creative you can be. Uh, and so I really appreciate how you broke it out because we need to find more ways to be intentional uh, and authentic about how and what these kind of things mean to us. And, and, and because everybody has different passions, interests, uh, and I think, you know, some people say superpowers, but everybody has magic, you know, and it's different ways that they can bring that into spaces. And they have to find that out, um, whether other people give them the words or tell them that this is what they're doing when it happens, or like, you have to find it out for yourself. But I, I rock with everything you're saying. Um, and so I guess it's, you know, something that you already spoke about, um, but for you, you know, it, as you're going through a transition, so a period of change, uh, as you are going through some of these setbacks, whether it's work life, as you talked about, or you know, school life or school work life, um, any of those hats, what were some of the things or what was something um, that guided you through it? You know, that, that you, know, you were able to reflect on or meditate on or... Um, you know, just write about or think about that, that really grounded you or rooted you as you were kind of enduring these things? I can't take credit for that. <laughs> I think um, I'm only just starting to be able to put words to what that is. Um, because I don't know, I think as I'm thinking through like, you know, being somebody who's been seen as like blunt or deep or a whole range of things, like what propelled me to just keep trying? I definitely was not a rebel. Like I definitely wanted to fit in like everybody else, but there was just something that inside felt 
more true and more right about the questions that I was asking myself and to others um, than the alternative. Um, nowadays, I, I, I attribute that to like a growing spirituality that I'm developing, a growing connection to um, the universe and the, the forces of nature. Um, and I call it intuition, I guess. <laughs> I think there is a, um, I think there is that thing in each of us that is the map. We can only see like five feet in front of us at a time. I read this quote once that like, when you're driving at night, you can only see as far as the headlights will show you, but you can make the, the whole journey that same way. Um, and it's, it's kind of like that, like I wouldn't have been able to like call that intuition at the time, but I think having that feeling of like path A or path B, okay, path B feels good. And just going down that path, even though I don't know, like everybody else is going that other way. And like, maybe I heard something about what to expect along that path. Um, I think I can only now start to make sense of what what kept pulling me um, in in the direction that I've gone, and I'm fortunate that I can <clears throat> I can now identify it and and start to like more intentionally tap into it. You know, I think the reality is there's some scripted or unscripted things, and and. You know, as you're talking about that internal compass, um, you know, and being able to trust that the questions you're asking and to trust that the direction that you're heading is the right direction for you. Those are big points. And I think like for everyone along the journey, like that, that's probably one of the the most continued uh, or repeated type of questions that, that, that we get asking, you know, along this is like, am I really doing the right thing? Or like, is, is this even the right like questions? Like, I'm like, what is, is this? Is this right? And, you know, the other side of what you're saying you know, and, and kind of being patient and then really holding space for yourself to listen uh, and, and through self-care, through the meditation, through these different periods of hitting pause. Um, and you're saying, oh, that's where you're tapping in. And that's where, you know, you're affirming the things that you're feeling. But you have to hit pause to be able to internalize and, and, and maybe act on that. Would, would you say that's the case? or Pause is important. Yeah. Um... Space is important. Pause is important. Um, there's a there's external noise and there's an inner voice. I'm borrowing that from another teacher. Um, I don't want to take credit for other people's work, but um, you can't hear the voice when the noise is crowding it out. So definitely pausing. Definitely taking time away from all the influences, I would say, is important. 
and tail end, tail end of uh, this piece. But as we're looking at this balance, you know, that you spoke about being able to kind of have the external and the internal. If we could look back, hit pause and look back at a younger self, um, what recommendation, you know, if you could have, I know, you, you know, as you talked about some of the meditations and the, and the mindfulness of holding space and, and, and kind of being with yourself, if you had a recommendation for a younger self at any point along the journey, uh, what would that message be? I think I would tell younger self, I think I would reinforce the thing of you can do whatever you put your mind to which I think is so on brand for Infinitus. Shameless plug. <laughs> but, um, but yeah, I truly believe in that like um, limitations are external. They're like, they're, they're blockers put on us. They're not things that we're, we're born with. So you can, you can do anything that you put your mind to. And to that end, um, don't ever second guess, don't ever block that inner voice, that inner feeling, um, go with that because um, that is your internal map. That is the thing that you need to go on the whole journey. With the notion, you know, as you said, of knowing your voice and keeping it and, and because as you said, that's the richness. That's what's going to guide you along the journey. When we're looking at or thinking about, not just in the midst of COVID, not just in the midst of the, the civil rights resurgence, if you will, um, but when we're looking at, you know, your journey and the resilience and, and the, the pivoting and the, the mindset as well as the space that you're holding for yourself, you know, to grow and to cultivate that mindset, um, you know, for other young professionals, for other persons of African descent, um, what, what would you recommend or what message would you hope that they can take away from your stories? I would go back to those two in terms of getting clear with self and uh, getting good at um, tapping into our internal power um and i guess to extend it a little bit in terms of why that's valuable um i don't know that this is necessarily an explanation so much as a philosophy well it, it is it is an explanation it makes logical sense to me that when you're good you can empower and amplify everybody else to be good um, and so it's kind of going back to self, both in terms of caring, both in terms of like, let me make sure that I'm standing on my feet. Let me make sure that my cup is full so that I can, you know, show somebody else the way or give my full self to whatever I'm trying to do. Um, but also in terms of figuring out and being true to what it is that you have of unique value. Um, so, you know, when you listen to that voice, you know, it's telling you something that it, that somebody else's voice might not be telling them the same way. And 
Um, I think we spend so much time going back to the point of like wrapping people into these really tight balls of like what you are. We spend so much time trying to be similar. And there's a lot of value to being different. There's a lot of value to adding your own little spice to the pot. Um, so yeah, go back to self so that you can have the full battery, the full cup, the full um, vision that you're contributing to everybody else. Um, inherently, I believe that helping ourselves um, helps others. The final question, the final question, because I don't know how else you could follow up, helping ourselves helps others. I couldn't agree more. Um, but you know, the final question before we get your official sign off is, uh, where are you on your journey, and what what's next? You know, so we talked about kind of you know who you were at the beginning, you know, some of the hats. We jumped into kind of the, the earlier life in the high school a little bit, and some of the professional. Um, but what's next? This is um, this is a really exciting moment. Um, I think this year. And especially the past few months have been a lot of me doing that that self work, a lot of me um, going inward to help myself. And so now having some clarity on, um, you know, my my interests and my passions and how I am able to stand strongly on my feet in the midst of um, the challenges that will always be around. Um, just activating on some of that. Um, my next, my next career goal is to be a graphic designer. Um, I'm, I'm in the process. It's not, it's not an if, it's a when. Um, and I think my personal goal is probably to maintain that like awareness that I currently have and not lose that in the hustle and bustle of life. Um, to maintain and to grow that so that I can be um, a more disciplined human that acts with integrity, a more compassionate human and um, a more purposeful and service oriented human progressively over time. I greatly, greatly appreciate all your time, energy, insights, especially you know your answer there because uh, you are raising the bar uh, not just not just for yourself in all seriousness you know just even in, in making commerce or in making statements like that and normalizing you know those philosophies and, and those realities um you know you're raising the bar not just for yourself but for everybody else and i really appreciate that um in the biggest of ways uh and i think yeah the, the last step here and obviously there's a couple more questions just for the for the other kind of series that it's condensed um, what is your official sign-off? I'm Rashumba, and this is my voice.